Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to visit Liz Hilton, owner of Knitted, a 3D knitting studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She's a designer, entrepreneur, and young mom, and she attended the Fashion Institute of Technology. She also went on to complete certification courses in Germany and Japan, where she's worked for Stoll, the leading manufacturer of CNC flatbed weft knitting machines. So we're going to talk a lot about machine knitting and 3D knitting that can be done on machines. So you can do a design where you can have a whole entire dress knit in 3D with no finishing work at the end, which sounds pretty darn cool. Liz is also going to talk about her experience prototyping knit fabrics for large corporations as well as inventing products of her own. She recently introduced the Houdini, a 3D knit escape-proof baby swaddle that she manufactures in her own studio on South Division Avenue right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you are interested in machine knitting, you're going to especially love this episode. And if you're kind of, you know, maybe you're already a machine knitter, I think you'll really be able to kind of nerd out with Liz a little bit during this episode. And if you're like me and you have thought, wow, it'd be kind of cool to get into machine knitting, you might be pushed over the edge into buying a machine after this episode. So far, I'm holding strong and I do not have a knitting machine, but... Hmm. <laughs> I'm like eyeing every corner of the space in my house thinking, hmm, if I had a knitting machine, where would I put it? But so far, I'm holding back. So grab a project and settle in for a conversation with Liz Hilton. Liz, I am very excited to be here in your studio. This is a, it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you here. Yeah. <laughs> well, so maybe if you can start by giving me a little bit of background yeah. on just introduce yourself a little bit. Like, how did you get to this place here on Division? Yeah, how did I get to <laughs> this place on Division? Well, uh, I guess I'd have to go back to my, uh, my college days where, you know, I had to choose a specialization. I I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City, which is where I'm from. And uh, after you get your associates, it's a two plus two program, where you have to reapply for your bachelor's there. And you can't just like come in with an associate from some other school. You have to get their associates and then reapply for their bachelor's so they can separate the weed from the shop sort of thing. The options were like evening wear, sports wear, lingerie, children's wear, and knitwear. And uh, I was making this decision in like 2007 and I thought, knitwear is a much more organic way of designing because you're not walking into a fabric store and 
you know, choosing a fabric that's already been created for you. You're, you're starting with the yarn, you're designing the fabric, you're choosing the fiber. It's, it, it's a, a much more, it's design, a much more organic way of designing and a much more technical way of designing. Right. And uh, my first year, I spent at the Politecnico di Milano in Milan, Italy, uh, and I actually ended up learning Italian there, and I learned how to knit on manual knitting machines, uh, like the ones you see here in my yeah. studio in the front. Yeah. Had you done any any knitting of any kind before you got to college? Oh no, I actually don't hand knit like with two needles right. ever. Ever. Do you, <laughs> ever. Know how, do you know how? Um, I actually challenged myself just. Um, few weeks ago to like sit down and do it and I was able to do it without like looking at a tutorial just right, from what know, I know yeah. generally and I've kind of seen people do it uh, so I I mean I I'm terrible at it actually but like I can do it um, I think that'll be interesting to people listening though yeah on these like mammoth knitting machines mm -hmm. yeah well you know what's also interesting the mo most of the you know, masters of this, you know, CNC programming knitting craft are men. Mm. So yeah, men in their like fifties from, you know, the United Kingdom where this was, where knitting was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I learned these manual knitting machines and uh, I still have them in my studio to show clients uh, how, how this technology has been around for a long time and you can see, um, you know, on the manual machines how it works in a in a way that maybe it's it's a little more obscure to see on the on the bigger machines. But I definitely believe that starting on manual machines really helped me um, solidify my base knitting knowledge before I moved into the programming of it. And then the when machine. you started on the manual machines in mm -hmm. college, what were you making? What did they have you make first? Oh, yeah. I Is mean, just swatches? Yeah, or? at first just swatches, and then we got into dresses, even seamless dresses, but mostly what we were... Really? On these manual oh, yeah. machines? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you can knit a tube uh, on those machines. Um, and connect the sleeves and everything with no... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All yep, these. yep, yep. It takes a while. It's and a lot of skill on these machines, but it's absolutely possible. Yes. Nice. But yeah, we also did a lot of fully fashion knitting, which is just knitting the shape and then linking it together. Okay. A linker is kind of like a sewing machine for knitting, but it looks totally different. It's like this uh, circular uh, thing with a bunch of like hundreds of spokes on it and you have to very meticulously fit every loop around those spokes and then it does a chain stitch to like trap like some trim or or to trap it to another uh, knitting piece so nice. it's yeah it, and I got I got good at that so I, I learned the craft from a very like hands-on way now did you know when you sat down at a knitting a manual knitting machine from the get-go did you know like Okay, this is gonna be my career. I'm gonna do this. Um, not at first, but after a few. <laughs> at first, I looked at them like, "What planet are these things from? How are we gonna learn how to use them?" But after uh, a few months, I, it became clear like I was good at it, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I went to a very competitive school, and I pretty much felt like the least per talented person in my class. Like everyone was better at sketching and sewing and pattern drafting, and I. I felt like the least talented one, um, but when it came to these machines, I had like, I had a connection with them, and I really felt like, okay, this is my niche, and this is what I want to pursue. Uh, so when I went back for my senior year, I got 
knowledge on the programming and knowledge on uh, maintaining and running the CNC machines. And it was from there my professors hooked me up with the manufacturer of these machines, Stoll, from uh, Reutlingen, Germany. And I actually worked for a company they had just acquired right after college called the Knit Resource Center. And if you are a knitwear designer in New York City, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I had the great privilege and honor of working with uh, Carol Edwards and Izzy Archer, uh, and basically designers from Alexander Wang, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, anyone who was anyone doing knitwear in New York City would come to us, yeah. tell us their ideas, and we would make notes, and we would translate their ideas into stitches, and we would draw out the loop diagrams, and then we'd pass them off to our knitters in-house who would then knit them on manual knitting machines. We are the last development center using manual knitting machines. Now today, they've since upgraded, and they now work out of Stoll headquarters in New York, and they, they work on uh, electronic machines, but they still have some manual machines there. Wow. Yeah. So in a sense, like since day one, since my, like right out of the gate out of college, I've been working in knit development, uh, and I was very lucky to get a job that harnessed the technical skills I had been honing in college. So, oh, yeah. And, uh, and I knew right away I wanted to pursue 3D knitting. <laughs> uh, so I, for me, my dream job would be working on the Stoll Trend Collections in, at their headquarters in Reutlingen, uh, Deutschland. And I, uh, I loved it because their trend collections, they come out with every year, and you can see it on their website, um, they're not to be sold. They're to inspire designers all over the world to wow. get these machines in their factories. And that was my machine uh, just letting me know that I, uh, I'm ignoring it. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, it has a little... I know. It did, yeah. It's like, hey, I'm over here. Yeah, exactly. What about yeah, me? It does that. And that's not really a little machine. No, it's not a little machine. It's actually like 3,000 pounds. Um, What's the footprint of that thing? Um, yeah, big. 30 feet. It's, it's 10 by 3 yeah, yeah and, and like eight feet tall when yeah but that's that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah and so was it hard to find this machine oh yeah 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 i thought it'd be easy to find a used machine but actually we're fast forwarding a bit well when i started my business in july 2015 this was the only machine in north america available wow. um but yeah but going back to the um Stoll trend collection um i i had the privilege of like just a couple months into working at the Knit Resource Center to represent them at the Spin Expo in New York. And I met the designer for the, these trend collections in Germany. And I told her I wanted to work there. And they said, well, every every uh, six to eight months, we take on a practicant, uh, like an, an assistant, mm-hmm. um, or an apprentice is a more accurate word. Right. Uh, and I said, absolutely, like, sign me up. I've got all of the skills. And the, the, the catch was that Um, They couldn't pay me because I wasn't a German citizen. Mm. So through some connections, I ended up finding a really cheap place to stay. They, They did offer it to me. I did have to, like, waitress to like pay for the luxury of this free practice content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was, uh, um, it was tough, but I, um, I was able to work there full time for eight months. And while I was there, I got certified in higher levels of programming. So I think those sort of, so when I got back to the U S and I was looking for fashion jobs, making 3d knit garments, you know, I was kind of like, you know, overqualified for assistant positions overqual or underqualified for like associate. I was like in between. So 
and nobody was doing 3D knitting anyway. No, it, fashion is such a fast-paced industry. It's so um, it, it, it's so fickle, and uh, it just it's not in a position to really take advantage of the innovative capabilities of these machines. Even though the, these machines have been made for the garment industry, the garment industry right now can't keep up with uh, everything that that these machines have to offer. So um, until fashion <laughs> completely changes, like, mm-hmm. well, anyway, so I, I was in a position, I, I didn't want to work at any of the places there. And I, I got recruited to uh, a place in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that was making 3D knit solutions for office furniture. And, uh, you know, at 22, they flew me out, wined and dined me, I just fell on top of the world. And uh, I took it, and uh, it was the best thing I ever did. I um, there, I got to take my skills to a whole new level. I learned at the feet of the great master John McGilbert, who's now this senior knitovator at Nike. Nice. And uh, he really uh, he taught me so much. I, I think he, he taught me that uh, it's through great technical knowledge that great creativity is fostered. Um, you know, people would look at him and think, oh, older guy and a younger girl. He's the technical one. I'm the creative one. But I mean, even though he was incredibly technical, for me, he was just as creative as he was technical and very good problem solver and so much knowledge. Um, but when he left for Nike, I was a little scared. Like, what am I going to do? But after he left, I, I actually was okay. I really... I, without him, I, I learned how much he had really taught me, and it, it was that combined with the um, uh, learning that there's a need for billion-dollar companies to use this technology without production commitment. Mm-hmm. That's what gave me the confidence to start my own company. So, did you? How long did you stay after he? I think a left? year and a half. Okay. A year did and a half. Did you always have in mind to start your own business? Not really. It was really when like company big electronic consumer like consumer electronic companies were coming to us and asking for weird knit stuff and you know my project manager didn't want to take it on for fear they'd just manufacture it abroad or or you know right. and and uh, you know the manu- it was a manufacturing facility they want to get business and and we were getting really interesting requests from healthcare companies but there was no structure to charge for development to make it worthwhile if it doesn't go to production. I see. So I I identified a gap um, and realized you know I could do this. Now my plan was to start this business, knit it uh, for three D knit product development um, in my downtime. <laughs> so, but it, it did become a conflict of interest, and uh, I chose knit it. Did you feel like you were running and jumping? off this cliff and hoping the parachute would open I mean, or it, did you feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to do and I believe in it and I'm confident and oh people people have asked me that before and like I'm like it was so easy like I remember being the moment being in that office with um, the project manager and the HR person and they're like well you have to make a choice it's either knit it or here and I'm like well, I guess this is goodbye. Like, I mean, it was so easy. I'm like, I'm 25. I have nothing to lose. Like, so, um, yeah, I, then I just started my, I skipped out and started my own business. (laughs) 
Did you run space right away? What was your um, first yeah, I, well, yeah, I, I had already, like, had Elise lined up. I probably, honestly, this place? yes, yeah, okay. I honestly probably wouldn't, wouldn't have worked if I had left sooner, you know, so. So, it sounds like the, um, time, everything worked out. You already had Elise. Honestly, like, I think six years ago or seven years ago is when I moved here, and I, I would, went to like the art downtown events and I just thought oh my gosh this is so cool I love these live workspaces this is exactly where I want to be I that I want to have my business on division like so I I already knew I wanted to be on South Division and there was a vacancy what was it about South Division because there's a lot of people especially people who grew up in West Michigan Uh and I did not and you did not we're (laughs) like two outsiders sitting on division right now and seeing this from a different perspective but for a lot of locals when people say, you know, because a friend of mine actually just reacted very strongly saying, oh, don't do that. That would be terrible. And I think <laughs> to myself, like, I've been coming down here professionally to work in Grand Rapids in the city since 1998. Mm-hmm. This is just what I do. I mean, this is, I teach here. Oh my God. I live in the suburbs, but I drive in to Grand Rapids and I, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I tried not to love it. I was trying to like go back to my family in the Detroit area. But what <laughs> is it for you that you said you came to those events Mm-hmm. Art downtown, yeah. and other events, but what is it about this space and this place that really? Because you lived here, yeah, you li- yeah, like you lived yeah. Here I used work. to live here. I mean, yeah. it's the community, mm-hmm. and I, I just think this is such a special place. There's there's history here. Maybe people look differently than you here, but they're still pretty great. Like, yeah. and there are a yeah. lot of really cool stories here. The building behind me actually is called um, the Globe Apartments. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the um, side of the building that's actually facing my studio, you'll see embossed above the door, Globe Knitting Works. Oh, wow. It used to manufacture, uh, it was like the world's first manufacturer of knit um, uh, pajamas. Oh, like wow. So it's pajamas. like yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I noticed that my first week here and I'm like... Oh, and I started having dreams of like buying the building, making it back into a knitting factory. But uh, if you're really curious, you can actually see those circular knitting machines that used to be there at the um, uh, Grand Rapids Public Museum archives really? on Jefferson. So giant circular machines. Yeah, yeah, they are big, and yeah. and we still have some I in the Grand Rapids work. Museum. I don't know. They do. I have seen them, and they look pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's great that we have that here. And I mean, as far as like you know, choosing division. I mean, it's, it's coming along. And if you're afraid of division, please don't be like it is. uh, I would just like to make a call to arms here and like say, you know, take your shopping to division. There are so many entrepreneurs here that are trying to make it. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to my friend, um, Matt Provost next door who, uh, owns light gallery and he and his partner, Erica own it. And it is, um, probably just one of the most uh, uh, wonderfully curated galleries you will ever see. And it's all art, uh, lo- local art. Which is um, awesome. So, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's just fantastic that they're here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm also in between another, uh, another great business, Second Dance Formal Consignment, um, which is fantastic. And then there's an Invengar yoga place on the corner. I've been there and she's magnificent. I mean, there's a lot of awesome stuff happening right now. Um, the only thing we don't have is like a, a coffee place or a, uh, you know, if something I know. Come in because I'm, they would get the business of all the people that are here. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we are, I rest in peace, bandit queen and 
propaganda yeah. donuts. That is so sad. But I, I mean, I understand it's hard to have a business. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, I love division. But, you know, to, truth be told, I do keep my my door locked. I fog out my windows. And uh, I don't make my money on foot traffic. I'm, a, I'm in product development. I have right. client meetings. I, I, you know, manufacture my, my baby swaddles. And um, but that's it. You know, I don't I don't rely on foot traffic like um, the businesses to my left and right. 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 And it's you have to have um, a certain fortitude too. Um, but it, what's, what's nice about this is it lets an, a business launch mm-hmm. without having to pay just outrageous overhead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's brilliant to not have to think about two rents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really helped. Uh, you know, the, the businesses that are successful on this street be successful. Um, well, 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 one example is Wusa. Um, oh, yeah. Who, I mean, she started on Division. Yeah. And now she owns her own building on Wealthy. She is kicking butt. Like, yeah. she's awesome. It's ama- amazing. Uh, I just, and, and also that um, amazing pasta uh, shop, uh, the local Epicurean, they moved to Wealthy Street too. Like, I think it's great, you know, that they started on Division. I, I wish I wish they were still here. But, you know, you have to move where your clients are. Right. Um, so that's why uh, I'm just shouting out to everyone, please come patronize the businesses here because if you do, they'll, more will come. Right, right. And who knows what will happen for those folks yeah. as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So we should probably get to talking about your your latest product and yes. all these things that you've, you, so you've gone through some different ideas for, um, your business and knit it and what yeah. you do and you still work with clients. I do. Have, yeah. You do design work and prototyping and all that. I mean, well, and that's how my invention was born. So for the first two and a half years of my business, I, I was building products for other people. There are other people's vision, other people's idea, be it a, a product, a knit product in and of itself or a um, component of a product, (laughs) but um, everything changed, everything changed in my life 15 months ago when I had my first child. I took two weeks to get to know him and, you know, it was, you know, there's so many difficult things about being a new mom, especially, you know, for the first time. And, uh, well, one of those difficult things was the uh, swaddling because the thing about newborns is their arms go up from the moral reflex and they wake themselves up. They're always little Houdinis getting out of their swaddles. Mm-hmm. I was kicking those legs. Yeah, and yeah. I tried every swaddle and he could always escape. And uh, so anyway, I took, I took him to work with me between the age of like two and, and nine weeks old or something like that. And um, I, the project I gave to myself was to solve that swaddling problem. And uh, I, at first I thought, you know, this could be a really great thing for me to use and maybe if it can make money it can be an example for like my employees on how they can use this technology to make their own you know uh, launch their own products mm-hmm. uh, and uh yeah I, I really you know i walked into my studio i looked around at my technology that i use to solve problems in office furniture aerospace uh automotive healthcare, and i realized i can use this to build an escape proof baby swaddle so that and that's what it is uh babies cannot escape it um and it like uh, most swaddles are constrictive and they have velcro or involves wrapping where you're using your brute force to like wrap the baby but with my 3d knit swaddle 
it's using compression yarn. So this is inspired by work I've done in compression garments for kids with cerebral palsy and lymphedema. Uh, it's using the same concept um, to give the sensation of a hug all night long. So instead of you using your own brute force, you're just trusting the, the yarn to do it for you. So you know you're not doing it too tight or anything. Right. And it naturally rolls away from the face. Um, it's made in this moisture-wicking antimicrobial yarn. It's very soft. And at the bottom, they're probably the best part of the design, is um, an easy access diaper changing flap. So, yes. So you can change the diaper in the middle of the night so once without. The yeah. is on, it's not coming off until you actually remove it. Yeah. But yeah. you can still do the diaper change without. Exactly. No. And, and, and some babies, so every baby's different. Right. So if you're mom buying baby uh, products, probably the number one thing you're looking for is something that's adaptable that can use different ways because right. you'd never know what, what kind of baby you're going to have. So with the Houdini, I've had some moms put their arms uh, instead of through the holes on the side, which make it escape proof and um, help uh, the baby stay on their back. Um, they uh, will just put the arms in the center part or just keep the arms out. And because there's that flap at the bottom, the feet can stay out too if your baby just has to have their feet exposed. Oh, yeah. So there's, um, there are different ways to use it. But it still gives that sensation of being hugged. Yeah, as long as the hug technology part is around the chest, then they Which get is, that hug. That's where they get the comfort. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah, that compression. So you've had this product out for how long now? Um, almost three months, like two and a half months. Okay, now. so you launched it. I launched it August 25th at the um, Chicago baby show so which was pretty successful i sold 91 pro, uh, 91 baby swaddles you know i've been sl- starting to get that feedback back because a lot of those moms there were expecting and the feedback's been really positive nice and uh, a lot of moms have said they love they love that it's stretchy you know and they can move in it but still have that hug feeling so uh, I, but I think the best story that I've heard so far has actually been from my sister. She gave birth the day before I launched in Chicago, and she called me and she said, "Liz, you wouldn't believe what just happened. My, you know, little baby Thea. She was crying for three hours straight. Nothing could calm her down. And then we we remembered the Houdini. We put her in. She calmed down, looked around, went to sleep." And uh, so, I mean, my niece has been sleeping in like eight, nine hour increments. Like when I went to visit, like my sister had to wake her up. (laughs) She's still wearing the Houdini now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's um, two and a half months old now. She's still only like 11 pounds. So the small size goes to like 15 pounds and then the larger size to 25 pounds, which um, typically by that weight, they're already rolling over. And so they're out of the swaddle. But there are some babies who are 20 pounds at three months. And typically, if you have a big baby like that, they're going to like take a little more time to meet those milestones like rolling over because they're just so much baby. (laughs) So we do have, we can accommodate and and that's, there's no need to have like, like uh, more sizes than those two because it's still stretchy and, and malleable. So it's, it, it, it can accommodate for different sizes. So what is this like now to have your product out into the world and you're starting to get that feedback and. Oh, it's so refreshing. It's so rewarding. Like, so I, I mean, it was rewarding enough to just, you know, invent something that worked for my baby. But now to hear feedback from other moms that are having the same experience, like that of, uh, uh, of their baby, you know, sleeping longer, it's, ah, it's awesome. It's all, and to know that like I invented it and, and it's, you know, my, my product, like it, I've never had ownership of a of something like this, and it's it's really encouraging for me as oh, yeah. as a designer and an entrepreneur. And so this, you have a patent 
Um, yeah, yeah. I've got patent yeah. pending. Uh, it's been pending for um, almost a year, but I'm in the process of um, taking that to the next level, to nailing it down, and then it'll be good for 20 years. Good. Yeah, but there. I mean, it's. It's that's, a, that's so an expensive satisfying. process in itself. Oh too. yeah, it, well the whole thing. I mean, it, it's been trademarked. It's been you know the patent stuff. The um, uh, yeah. So I've I've definitely invested a lot into mm-hmm. this. But I you had some help with that. You got a oh, grant. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The grant really helped get me to the Chicago Baby Show. It was from Start Garden. They launched this great initiative called Hundred Ideas to jumpstart. Uh, uh, entrepreneurs in the Grand Rapids community and uh, what they did was they took entries for of ideas mm-hmm. that people in Grand Rapids have for uh, a business. Some, some were further along than others. Some were just an idea stage. They chose 100, gave 100 a thousand dollars. Which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's really incredible so because a thousand dollars can do a lot. What did you do with the initial thousand dollars? With the initial um, I, I put that toward, um, toward the yarn okay. because I knew I needed yarn to, I mean, it, it could cover, um, yeah, just, uh, like one color, but I knew like I needed, I needed some raw material right. to get started. So, um, it was really cool when I ended up in the top 10 and I was um, awarded $20,000, which awesome. meant I could afford the yarn minimums on the other colors. I could go to, Chic- I, you know, trade shows for baby stuff. It's very expensive. So I, I went to two uh, direct-to-consumer trade shows. And the entry to those, it's, it's in the like, thousands, right? uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've probably spent ten grand, or between those, maybe six six to seven grand on the Chicago and LA baby show. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like eight grand for the big trade show in April. So that's wow, yeah. mo- most of the money has gone to that. Yeah. Um, but it, it was that necessary. It, it, well, it gets my name out there too. Right. So now people like I've talked, those trade shows, they give me the opportunity to talk to people outside of just my local community. Right. And, and you get direct feedback too. Um, and then, um, so that's, yeah, that's really, really helped. And, um, the the trade show in April is what I'm I'm really excited about because I'm that will put me in front of people who would be buying in quantities. Nice. So yeah, I mean, so like, is is this, you're trying to get this into like retail shops? Yes, I mean the baby industry is changing. You know, we all we all know that uh, Babies R Us has right. has uh, gone gone away, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Bye Bye Baby is kind of taking its place and enjoying a nice renaissance of sales. But um, I, from everyone I've talked to, like these shows that may not last um because everyone's buying on amazon so and that's my my next step as well is to get on amazon so people can get on my registry and how hard is that for for a small business to get on amazon it's not that that there's like a monthly fee that you like 40 bucks uh but um and then they take part of the profits oh yeah 15 percent oh 15 percent of the sales so that is rough um, and I don't know yet. I haven't made place to sale. I'm still in the process of setting up my shop, so right, it's not done yet. Uh, but right now I just sell on my website, mm-hmm. littlehoudini.com, H-O-O-D-I-N-I. It sounds like things are, you're kind of in that stage where you're just ramping up with yeah, getting the name out to the trade shows, getting the product out there. And... It, it's a totally different game. Like I thought, because I, it wasn't like I just came to my shop and spent some time at my computer and then put it in my machine and out popped the swaddle, you know? No. How it, long did it take? It took a year. 
Um, it took a, a, a year because I, I also had to work with dozens of other babies to refine it, get the sizes right, get the, um, you know, I, I, all of the um, attributes right. Um, and fortunately, I had other friends having babies at uh, that time because my, uh, my son quickly outgrew the swaddle before I could finish it. So I oh. had to use other babies as, as my guinea pigs. And, Did that uh, lead to you to make another size? Um, yeah, <clears throat> that led me. Well, actually, I was making the larger size for my baby, and then when he outgrew the larger size, I went back to a baby who was also around in that size. And then when I went to another baby, I realized, oh, this doesn't fit newborns because I was making it for my two-month-old. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so so I had to make the newborn size, which is you know, if I hadn't done that, it wouldn't have worked so well for my niece her first day of life. You know, so right. so I people are asking me, oh, which one's like more important? And I'm like. I, I like to tell them the newborn size because at least, like, you know, you definitely need start more off. sleep. Yeah, start yeah. off with that. So and it wasn't just the prototyping. Once I, I had a finished prototype, I think, in May. and okay. then, um, But then I had to refine it. I, I ran a Kickstarter that was not funded. And from that data, I re- revised the design again to make it look more soft. And So what did, you, did you have to change a lot? Uh, not a lot. I, I, I added some length at the shoulder. Okay. To cover the shoulders completely. And I, um, for those who want to put their baby in naked, you know. Right. And then I also, um, I, I took out the lines. I had this pattern, stitch pattern, and I took it out and just let the yarn do its thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually looks way better. So um, but I think that makes it look more soft for people. Right. Well, it's interesting, too, how you make an attempt to do, because sometimes people get funding right off the bat for Kickstarter, and it's like way over what they're yeah. asking for. And you're like, wow, that must be nice, right? I know. Um, but for that doesn't happen for a lot of people. No. It sounds like for you, it actually spun you in another direction that was better. Yeah. You were I mean, Stark got, I mean, yeah, Stark working, winning something with Stark Garden is, is amazing. That happened yeah. after my, un, my uh, unfunded Kickstarter, but um, well, Which one of the reasons, oh yeah. yeah, well, I mean, and ki- well, Kickstarter, the thing about it is that, you know, my product is both useful and innovative, so it's hard to sell. And my ideal customer is a mom and moms don't have time for Kickstarter. Many of my, cu- my ideal customers, they they don't know what Kickstarter is, which is fine. You well, know, I think but... with Kickstarter, there's like a delay. So if you're expecting a baby right away, yeah. And you get your product in two months or something. That's not going to help. Yeah, yeah, that that and and probably I got a lot of that too. I got a lot of that too. So it wasn't just the the design part and the product part of it. Then I had to get testing, and that's one thing I learned in the campaign. Like Mm -hmm. moms didn't trust it, and uh, but I had done my research because my product was made with such safe fibers. It was exempt from federal accreditations, (laughs) so I I just went out and did them anyway, and it passed. Um, and it, and then I did, I went above and beyond and I went to another third party federally accredited laboratory that did more intense textile testing. testing Okay. Well, they were doing a flame test on the, for the CFR 1610. And then I got DNIs across the board. That's do not ignite. I knew that because of, of this. Well, anything fabric that you don't want to ignite. Yeah, Yeah. well, exactly. But then the, um, the other tests I got were a suffocation hazard test and a design hazard test, just playing around with the worst, worst, worst case scenarios. Right. So for the suffocation hazard tests, they decided the worst, they looked at my product, examined it, and decided the worst case scenario would be folding it up in a ball, and, and they put this fake infant's face right on it, and then they measure the CO2 and see if it can still breathe, and it could. And they did this dozens of times, 
could breathe fine. So that's how safe my product is. The baby could be sleeping face down on it and still Without breathe. Without it on. Yeah. And that's not really possible because he can't take it off. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it has exactly. to be like a very tired parent wadding up into a ball. I don't know. Yeah. Or it could be if like you put the baby down, not in the swaddle and the swaddles in the crib right, and saying. they roll and on it. How it's designed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's still safe even yeah. in that worst case scenario. And they did some design scenarios and they identified, Oh, in this like stitch structure area, the stitch can, you know, elongate. And if a, a very tiny, you know, phalange can get stuck in there. And so I just tightened that up so that it's oh, smaller. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like I, like I eliminated that so now it's certified for its design it's certified for suffocation hazard and it's cfr 1610 certified so um so yeah i i uh, and of course that was expensive <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds very expensive. yeah the, so yeah i mean i and none of it would have been possible if i didn't have um my product development company to to really incubate this product right with me and so it's kind of cool that my my uh, development company gave birth to another company. <laughs> gave yeah. birth. Uh-huh. Now, and you're making them right here in Grand Rapids. Yes. Oh, I'm very they, passionate they about of, manufacturing here. And what machine here. are you making those on? I'm making it on a, uh, well, they're called flatbed weft knitting machines, but the one I'm making on is, um, I'm not going to say it on air, but it's because it's, uh, it's not like a proprietary machine or anything. Anyone with the money can buy it, but it's very different. My other machine could not manufacture this. So they're okay, so actually... It's part, it's part yeah. of your proprietary information. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but this is a smaller machine, and this is something that um, in less than an hour you can... Yeah. I mean, of course, you put hours and hours and hours yeah. and spent tons of money to get to this point. Yeah. But so now you can manufacture these though right here. I know. Yeah. Do I you do I, it kind of as like orders come in. I see yeah, yeah. a pile here. I have a pile. I have so many in stock. Yes. Well, LA. now I do because, um, you know, I told you I sold 91 in Chicago and I was expecting LA to be twice as much. So I made like 200, but I didn't didn't do as well in LA but LA people like to buy more online so that's why I've kind of changed well and sometimes people walk away from a trade show yeah. and they're like oh maybe I should have bought that yeah <laughs> yeah they, they so contact you later absolutely and that has happened and that's why I have like free shipping right now so that nice. for, for those show folks. residual sales yeah uh, but that's why I have some extras but before before the trade show I was just making them to order I'd get it if I got an order in the morning I'd knit it package it up and send it so yeah and I do that while I'm doing development oh yeah very quick I mean one time when I was building up inventory I just leave my machine knitting and sometimes you know something might happen in the middle net and maybe it runs out of oil or a yarn breaks or or it just it doesn't draw if it if there's a problem with it dropping it can't knit the next one right so there are these little things that's why uh, typically one person can run 10 machines there has to there has to be that one person looking at them yeah it's doing what it's supposed to exactly and so um Anyway, one, one night I came in and it was still knitting and I had like 25 and I was like, yes, that <laughs> <laughs> uh, was satisfying. Day. That, is, that is satisfying. You had to wake up and yeah. have all the orders and then you just pack them and ship them and all that. Yeah. 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 Right now I'm doing my own fulfillment, but, um, you know, there's so many great amenities, uh, Shippo, I can print my labels here, slap it on, just walk to the mailbox. So nice, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, and you're pretty close. Where do you you just go to the mailbox? Um, Yeah, I could just put it next door in the office, or go to the mailbox, or if it's getting late, if it's after five, I'll go to the post office to make sure. I always ship the same day that I get an order. So yeah, and that's something you always do. You're really yes, yeah. So it might take five. The free shipping's 
up to five as long as five days but uh if you have the two-day one then I'm, I'm still getting it out that day so, that's nice yeah yeah so what's next for you oh this that's a good question actually so other than the product development that I'm doing at, at knit it as far as Houdini goes I do have a new product uh it's called a crib net and it goes on the outside of the crib I still use this I I, I think I invented this just about six months or so after the swaddle and uh it's great because it prevents arms and legs from getting caught in between the bars and it's it's on the outside of the crib so there's no suffocation hazard so i'm actually doing a promotion right now where if you take a picture of your adorable sleeping baby in the houdini and tag me on instagram at little underscore houdini um i will send you one for free so oh, nice. this takes like twice as long as a swaddle to make. So it's, it's, um, and more, more material. So it's like an $80 value, but I'm, I'm doing this promotion for, to get, you know, just to get the word out there. And when you tag me on Instagram, then that shows all your friends, you know, that, you know, who I am and, yeah. and, uh, how the swaddle works. And, and it's, it's been really good. So I've had people start to do that and that's been really cool. fun. And how long are you running that promotion? Um, I, Honestly, until it's going to be for at least a year. I'm thinking till 2020 because I offered that to all the expectant ladies in the LA Baby Show. So, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not going to be having my baby for like another eight months or six months." And I'm like, "Don't worry, I'll, so I'm going to honor it." Yeah, to have your babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And anyone, anyone from the Chicago Baby Show can do can do this as well. Yeah. Nice. Well, and it is a great way to crowdsource your marketing in a way. Yeah. Or anyone yeah. listening to this, you can go and buy one online, and I'll, I'll still give you a free crib net nice. if you tag me. Yeah. And have you found that um, Instagram and social media has been like a big boost for you? I did every single type of social media um, marketing when I did launch my Kickstarter campaign. So I did Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram. Uh, I didn't pay anything on Twitter, but I did also did YouTube ads okay. and I found, uh, YouTube was by far the like worst one. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Although maybe that it, it had like a lot of reach, but no engagement. Okay. Um, Facebook had like a hundred percent more engagement. It was, or, or a thousand percent. It was like, Facebook was the best one. But for real word of mouth, Instagram is beautiful. And, and people are just very positive on Instram. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook can be a kind of a weird, dangerous of a place. Yes. Yeah. I think Instagram, the vibe I get from it is it's more like people connecting with people they admire and like. Yeah. There's less sniping. Oh, yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, sometimes you get some of that, but it's like I have curated my the people I follow to a point where I'm like really inspired. Like I, I really enjoy looking at it. And awesome. so when you have friends telling you like hey check this out or someone sharing something they seem really upbeat and positive about what they're doing it just has a completely different vibe than cool. some of these other social media outlets oh yeah i, mean, I agree it's been great instagram has been really yeah. great and it's fun like i like I, I also like going on instagram and engaging with moms and mm-hmm. and and there's a really cool support group on instagram for moms and you know saying encouraging things to each other mm-hmm. and um that's really cool and uh, so obviously like a lot of the women I follow are like, uh, the influencers who are saying these encouraging things. And, right. um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Well, this product, the whole, your whole point behind it is you're trying to help parents yeah. get a little more rest. Yeah. Or, you know? or, or, or be able to do more just like, and, and it's not even the sleeping part. It's also like, I remember when, before I invented this, when I was just wrapping my baby in a conventional swaddle, I, 
I couldn't see his chest go up and down, even in the mm-hmm. Velcro ones. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I just want to peek in and watch my baby breathe. And or even be able to see it on the monitor. Yeah, you can't. And you can't with the blanket on. Yeah. So, but with um, with my swaddle, because it's like knit and it's it conforms to that, like you can very easily watch their little chest go up and down. It, it, if you're a paranoid mom well, like me, I, know, which, I <laughs> would check all the time. Yeah, yeah, I would check all the time. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think this is really lovely what you've been able to do. <laughs> Thank and, you. And when you went to art school, you probably didn't um, or design school you probably weren't thinking about this exactly no but you know what I would like to just send a message out there to all of the art students because you're not you're not just an artist you're a product developer okay and uh, that's something I didn't understand 10 years ago I understand that now like if you maybe you know you're not just an artist you're an inventor you you have a skill set that is applicable in the in the real world beyond art and I I mean not to say that my swaddle isn't art I I would I would venture to say that it is um and uh I I think product design and development is where you know like art and uh innovation really get to play and so if you're an artist and you love thinking outside the box maybe maybe you're a product developer maybe you're an inventor well, and they're problem solvers, too. Yes, I think oh, cre- creative, exactly. creative minds are required for yes. solving problems. And that's the definition of an engineer, really, yeah. as a problem solver. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, so I, I, I would challenge everyone to who has that artistic ability and that problem-solving ability to maybe try to invent something. Maybe, you know, put your idea in the, in the ring for the next 100 Ideas competition. Yeah, and they do that every year. Correct? Yeah, they, they the first time was was last year, but um, they are already planning next year's. So, um, start working on your ideas. Yeah, no, that's a good reminder for everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you want people to know about your business, about what you do? I know you do. You still take teach classes here. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if if someone was interested and you want to get a few people together, I could I could teach you for like hundred bucks. Um, I still do that. And and uh, if you're if you work for a corporation and you want to bring uh, clients in for a whole extended day long workshop to get to know the industry, I can also do that. If you have a product that you think three D knitting would really work for, you can give me a call. Um, and uh, but I'm I'm really excited about this Houdini business, and I think. I, I, I'm gonna really put a lot of time and energy into making this the next big thing. Um, and uh, you know, I very much believe that he who is faithful with little is faithful with much. Mm-hmm. So um, since I started selling two and a half months ago, I've been giving 10% to the American SIDS Institute. Now, this is not saying we have a relationship, I just give them money, uh, but uh, uh, I'm very passionate about what they do because um, you know, a lot of uh, of my competitor products, they claim that they can prevent SIDS, but that's not true. And that, and you know, I'm not going to use that in my marketing. But what I can say is, like, you know, I'm I'm trying to support the the scientists that are working very diligently to solve this terrible problem. Yeah. And uh, and you know, I hope uh, I hope that you know Houdini in a small way can help that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. It's a great uh, thing to be supporting because um, it's just devastating what a lot of parents. Yeah, are. and nobody knows how how or why it happens. That's why no product can claim that it's pre- preventative. The government has never ever approved uh, 
a product to to advertise that. So if right. if a product is advertising that to you, they are lying. Um, and I, I really believe the only way to help solve the problem is, is to help the scientists who are working hard to, to try to crack it. Right. You got to do the research first yeah. and figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful that you're giving back Thanks. and then yeah, also building something small from scratch. <laughs> and um, and how old is your son now? He's 15 months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So oh he's graduated from the Houdini. He has. He has. He's so cute. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Name? He, his name is Thomas, but we call him T-Man. Yeah, T-Man. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. 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 Yeah, isn't it interesting how motherhood can shape a small business? Um, as a creative person, my mind can kind of be in a million directions. And even you've heard me, like I've talked about, oh, doing stuff in office furniture and automotive and healthcare and, you know, where, where, what is, where's this girl's head at? Right. When I became a mom, um, it really helped me focus my creative energies in a way I've never done before. And I think that's how I've been able to create this amazing Swaddle product uh, because uh, it's just, uh, it, it just represents like everything I've learned the past 10 years on my journey with mm-hmm. this 3D knitting technology. It, it, it is a great example of how flatbed weft knitting can solve a problem. And uh, I don't, there's no way I could have done it without, um, my little inspiration. So yeah, well, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's led you to a really great thing. Oh yeah. 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 So for all those people out there who think you know, kids ruin your business. Life, <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. They push you to a place you've never gone before. Absolutely. And it really is. I mean, Mike, I've learned so much about my how to run a business from my kids. Yes. Especially when they're small, and you're like chasing them all over, and they have their toys everywhere, and you're just like you have such limited amounts of time because before you had these like you have baby deadlines mm-hmm. and then you have bigger kid deadlines mm-hmm. and then you're driving a van around even if you never intended to drive a van ever yeah <laughs> you know i find myself in this position where um in those pockets of time i get tasks done that oh, i yeah. would maybe wouldn't have been as diligent about before mm-hmm. you know and oh absolutely the questions they ask i mean i my oldest or my youngest asked a question one time about how i was producing looms and she said well mom why don't you do this and i was like and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. And it was just, and it changed part of the manufacturing of, of these. And she was just a, a little girl just asking. She might have been eating a sucker at the same time. You know, I was just like, wow, you know? So I wow. really, I really think we have to listen to our kids. Absolutely. And, and just see where they lead us. But it sounds like, who knows what T Man's going to have you do next? I know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, I, I had an idea. Um, you know, I've been working with this yarn that lights up. Oh, And wow. I thought it would be cool to knit a nightlight that doesn't plug in because he always takes the nightlight and yeah. unplugs it. So we've had to take out all our nightlights and we walk around, you know, it's because we don't want his little fingers right. getting stuck. of course not. So that might be the next thing. Yeah, and what would you call yeah. that? Would his name be part of that? Oh, my God. Maybe it should be the the T-Man light, night light, yeah, the tea could, light. The tea <laughs> light. The tea light. Oh, that's it. I should yeah. make it in a shape of a T. <laughs> this is great. That'd be so funny, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, T-Man's, uh, yeah, such a, a source of inspiration. And, um, yeah, I, I, it's in, yeah, I've never invented a product like this before or even ever like I've, I've always done it for someone else and this is the first time I've I have felt the need and the ambition and had like the creative energy to just harness it all and do it and it all in my first year of being a mom so That's I nice. mean yeah it's it's been a, a really awesome awesome ride and I can't wait to see where it where it goes next 
That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It'll be really fun for me to watch where it goes next, so we can all keep an eye on see if there's a tea light or what else comes out of this. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be lots of things because you're you're still very young. We Mm -hmm. didn't cover that, actually. Oh, yeah. Because you're not even to 30 yet. Yeah, I'm 29. That's but that 29. Is, that is so awesome. Yep. So, you have so much time ahead of you. Like, I know. Your career and all this. That's just it's so exciting. crazy. It, like, 10 years ago, if you told me, like, I'd have a kid at 29 in my own business, I would have... I thought I'd spend the next 10 years out of college in poverty, like, you know, like most artists, you know, I thought, uh, I thought I wouldn't get married till 30, I thought I wouldn't have kids till 35, and like, I'm just getting, yeah, yeah, I'm ahead of a schedule, I thought I wouldn't have my own business until 70, my plan was to learn everything, not, and now, of course, I'm making it up as I go, but, maybe you'll be able to relax when you're 70, (laughs) yeah, maybe I'll, (laughs) or I'll be like my mom, who like got an agent, yeah, yeah, went back into it. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's well, so funny. It's been such a great yeah. time talking Aww, to you. Thank likewise. you so much for letting me visit today and seeing all this cool stuff. Now I want to go out and get a mini machine. My husband's going to be a little worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Aww. thanks again. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. A special thanks to Liz for welcoming me into her studio and spending time talking about all the cool stuff she's doing in her studio and all the projects that she's hoping to kick out next i really appreciated the tour of her studio and just getting to spend some time there and for any of you local folks remember that liz is in grand rapids and she does do some teaching so if you're interested in machine knitting kind of want to get an overview she does offer some opportunities for uh, corporate groups to come in and also individuals so just keep that in mind you can find links to her business at craftsanity.com i'm going to tack on a little knitting trivia. Liz and I recorded a little more after the interview. We could have talked for days. I mean, honestly, we had fun having our conversation. Could have gone on forever, um, but we both had other things we had to do. But I will tack on another short clip of Liz talking about the history of machine knitting. And I I didn't want to leave this out. So I'm going to play that now. Well, it's actually really interesting how CNC knitting got started. Would you like to take a guess at when the first knitting machine was invented? Oh my goodness. I'm really bad at guessing. I mean, knitting's been around for a long time. Yeah, I don't know, like sometime in the last hundred years? Yeah, so a lot of people think like post-industrial revolution or something like that. I get a lot of like 1800s or something right. like that. Um, but it was 1589. Whoa. William Lee of Nottinghamshire um, in, in England. He, um, his wife actually was a hand knitter, the two-deal knitting okay. that uh, everyone's familiar with. Um, and she was obsessed with knitting. And uh, to the point where William Lee thought, hmm, if I just invented a machine that knit for her, I'd get my dinner on time. Uh, and so he invented William Lee's sock framing machine. It was very, very good, used in production of, of blankets and knit uh, stockings and stuff, mostly stockings, which is why it got his name, the sock framing machine. And he applied for a patent, but Queen Elizabeth I denied the patent because she feared it would hurt the hand knitting industry so he actually died a pauper oh my goodness William Lee yeah uh, but uh, Nottingham today is still like the the mecca of 3d knitting the the knit 
blankets that the uh, royal babies are wrapped in are created on William Lee's machine, a, a version made in the late 1700s. Uh, I actually had the privilege of sitting on one and, oh, nice. and operating one. It's just this little company that still uses the William Lee machines. They've, they've been, they used them in production until 1996. Oh, wow. And so now they, they use these hundreds. They're, I mean, 300 plus years old now, and they still use them to create the blankets for the royal babies. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. So, But af- after the Industrial Revolution, a lot happened in the textile industry, especially for looms, as you know. So, oh, yeah. Um, knit- knitting was no different. It, the William Lee sock framing machine evolved into how we now uh, know uh, flatbed weft knitting. You know, so not much innovation happened for 200 years because, you know, the queen denied the patent. But once the Industrial Revolution hit, we now have flatbed weft knitting machines where, that create knit stitches in one single pass. Mm-hmm. So from there, you know, in the 70s, we, they came out with um, electronically operated machines. And, of course, we still had women and men on the uh, on the flat, the manual flat machines. Um, but now it's... Um, uh, gotten to a point where you can just program it and it's it, 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 it translates the program into a numerical code that is fed into the machine and we have CNC flatbed weft knitting machines. Um, so for the past, uh, ever since William Lee w- invented this um, y- uh, you know, 450 years ago, we um, it, they have been specifically targeted for the garment industry. But all of that changed about 35 years ago with General Motors. GM had the fabulous idea of knitting 3D knit car interiors. Uh, you know, at that point, there was a lot of foam in cars, and foam right. was expensive. And when you cover it with a 3D knit, it really allows the foam to do its job instead of constricting it and uh, eliminates all that cutting, sewing, waste, and labor stuff. So, which is why it's so great with um, office furniture. But anyway, GM went to Nottingham to do this, right? They got all the talent together, a uh, company materialized, and then GM changed their mind. So, uh, a company had already materialized called TechNet, and they had to pivot. So they pivoted to office furniture. And Herman Miller was part of the forces that helped to bring that company here to Grand Rapids. But they actually split. Half of it stayed in the UK in Nottingham. Half of it came here, and they just had a handshake. You know, we'll operate as two separate companies. But three years ago, that company moved back. So... Uh, what's kind of funny is that, you know, I moved here to work at TechNet US, and now I'm working at the one that's from the UK. It's now called Chimera Technical Knitting. Interesting. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> Big things in 3D knitting are happening in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, uh, yeah, maybe we're going to be the next headquarters of uh, 3D knitting. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Well, they said Furniture City is, you know, part of the reputation here. Absolutely. So maybe it'll be also the, the covering, the textiles that go over the furniture. Yeah, I know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we're going to make this a textile town again. Yeah. Well, like you, I said before, the Globe Knitting Works um, is right behind me. Uh, it's now apartment buildings, but it, they used to be knitting um, pajamas with their circular knitting machines. So I mean, th- there's a lot of exciting industrial um uh, forces going on in Grand Rapids. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for the history lesson. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right. So now I think we're about ready to wrap things up. Thank you so much for tuning in. A special thanks to my Patreon sponsors and everyone else who's made an investment to keep this show going. Uh, those who bought weaving looms from my Etsy shop and t-shirts and all the things that I put out there into the world. I really, truly appreciate your support. I will be back soon with another episode 
of the podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time.